Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Wednesday Wallop here. We're recording on a Wednesday again, Brendan. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to not scramble and uh, feel hungover from our uh, was our frantic Fridays that we yeah. did last week. <laughs> Freaking out Fridays <laughs> because we just realized we were two days late with our <laughs> with our pod here. But as far as it goes, the Jaybird watching is back on pace here. We're getting ready for the sprint or uh, the you know regular parts of games to start here, just as much as anybody else. The morning mash yeah. is in full swing. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to some of the morning mashes uh, this morning at work. They're really well done. I might have to get in on that action. Yeah. You know, it'll save me some days if you want to pick a couple. <laughs> well, when the weather starts getting nicer, I have a 40-minute walk to work so I can save money and not take the TPC. So maybe when I'm on my walk to work, I, uh, I'll record a few morning mashes. There you go, because it's <laughs> more or less I'm doing it in my commute on my way to work in my car, knowing all the stuff in my yeah, head yeah. and just riffing. I mean, you'll hear a lot of the Toronto noise and background and everybody walking to work and probably horns honking and people shouting at each other. But, hey, I guess it's pretty authentic, I guess, for yeah. uh, for Toronto. We're just going to have to get you, like, some kind of, like, a Jaybird watching jacket or something that says, like, honk at me if you love the Blue Jays. <laughs> That's right. And then uh, every single honk, we'll see how many we get at the end of my uh, end of my walk to work. <laughs> well, to see if we can get some T-shirts or something to hang out, hand out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other good thing about being back on Wednesday, my friend, is if we record again next week, Wednesday, or even Tuesday, then opening day is right around the corner. It's like a day or two later. So uh, it's, uh, as, it's, of the, uh, as of everybody yeah. listening to this, it will be exactly one week away from Blue Jay baseball. That's right. That's right. We'll only be able to preview a series and talk about the pitching matchups that are scheduled against the Tigers and maybe even touch on the Orioles series. No, it'll be good. Yeah, and then there's always that wonderful rumor that we actually might have a live show that Sunday. I'm trying to yeah. get it going. We'll see what happens. Well, and yeah, let me know if uh, if that materializes. That the Sunday against the Tigers. Yes, that that started. Oh, right. Fourth game of the season. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let me know. Yeah, that's good. That would be like way too much fun if we could get that going again. Yeah, I enjoyed that last year. It was good. Yeah, you, me, and Corsair are a horrible group to be talking Blue Jays baseball. <laughs> yeah, especially with a few beers in us. Which always happens, which is why it makes it more fun <laughs> for us to listen to us instead exactly. of Buck and Pat. <laughs> yeah, 100%, my friend. That's why we do it. There you go. So, anyway, why don't we dive into the wonderful only news that's really going on here, my friend, is John Axford and Ryan Tapera are currently experiencing elbow soreness there's been really no full-on report other than that they haven't said there's gonna be dl time or anything but it does bring up some interesting ideas if they do hit the dl but one thing is the uh, the other brendan obviously these are two guys that we're hoping to lean on pretty efficiently probably in this toronto blue jays bullpen yeah man it sucks especially i feel bad for axford coming back again expresses desire to stay here hopefully it's just an age thing just the uh 
the rigors of getting started back up and throwing a baseball. I mean, remember when he got traded with the Dodgers? I'm pretty sure he only had one outing, and then he got injured. He came back for two more at the end of the season as the Dodgers were pushing towards the playoffs, and then he was left off the playoff roster. So he hasn't pitched a whole lot since the Jays traded him to L.A. the last year. So hopefully it's just a minor little flare-up. Tapera, I can totally see being a uh, reason for some serious concern because, as we discussed before we hopped on the show, he pitched 77 and two-thirds innings in 2017 and 64 and two-thirds just last year. So Tapera, I think there's a little bit more reason to be concerned about especially when he's going to be penciled in to likely be setting up Ken Giles alongside Bud Norris. Uh, and John Axford could have had a case for the setup role or the seventh-inning guy, potentially. But, uh, yeah, no, it sucks. Those are two big arms that were, uh, Montoya was going to lean heavily again on in, uh, in this bullpen. Yeah, the Axeman, uh, my guess is like you were alluding to there. It's just the uh, fact that he's just tr- you know maybe having a little extra trouble getting it completely stretched out this spring. I think he's going to settle in and it's going to probably be fine. Just needs a you know that little step back here. Maybe he went too heavy on it this spring. But yeah, Tamara, I hope so. To me, this is just like you were saying the full on piling up of innings, and then he he was sick this spring. We all know that, and it was like kind of like a fluish type thing, is what I remember hearing. And in the midst of that, it just sounds like maybe when he came back that last outing this past Sunday, maybe he was not fully there and trying to reach back for that little extra and just, you know, gassed it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? He pitched a lot over the last few years, and you could see it towards the end of 2018. Uh, if you could, if you pull up his, his splits and compare the first half of 2018 where he had a 290 ERA, very, very good, respectable definitely some uh, an ERA that you want from a guy who's setting up to your closer, but uh, his second half was uh, almost five ERA. So a lot of innings to pile up for Ryan Tapera and uh, for a guy who's not used to that many innings over the last few years. And as we saw, we said before we hopped on, he was looking a little gassed and tired in, in spring. So hopefully he's not compensating for something by uh, altering his delivery or motion a little bit to uh, get that extra velo back on the, his fastball, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they uh, announce on Tapera, especially. Actually, it was a little more flexible. You could be a little more careful because he's a- only a non-roster invitee on a minor league deal, so you can get creative there, but Tapera, I think there is reason for concern. Yeah, and is, in all reality, the worst-case scenario for both of these guys for a long stretch of the season, obviously, it would be to just get them on the injured, injured list to begin the season, let them get right, let them come in 15 days or whatever it is later, and then, you know, let them run with it. I really don't think it's going to be too hard for him to come back from it. I think they would have been clearly stop putting the stop button on both of these guys quicker if there was something more alluding on. So, But as we mentioned a second ago, if they do hit the, the injured, injured list, God, I, can't, I still keep wanting to say to say I know. I'm tied with that all Injured week. list. Injured list. <laughs> they could just say injured reserve like any other sport. <laughs> uh, yeah, baseball just has to be different than the rest of the sports, don't they? Exactly. They just had to tweak it just enough. But yeah. as far as it goes, if either of them start on the injured list, I was thinking the idea here, there's all these guys that maybe should make the Toronto Blue Jays roster to start this season. Um, and notably, I'm going to throw out Dalton Pompey for this part of the conversation. If you are all of a sudden going to be short what they thought they were going to be heavy on bullpen arms to start the season, do you take that step back and go, hey, you know what, maybe we can eat this to let Dalton Pompey come up for the first part of the season and see what happens? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the plan would probably be, especially with their schedule, the way it starts the year, they don't have an off day until two weeks into the season when they go to Boston after the Cleveland series. So they're going to need as many bullpen arms as possible, so they probably would have opened up with eight guys in the pen, but now with the shortage of guys, potentially, not ready for opening day and to pair an Exford, maybe they'd just be like, okay, let's just swallow it, go with seven for the time being, see what we get with Dalton Pompey over the next little while, or maybe somebody else gets injured, God forbid, and we'll call back uh, a reliever up. But yeah, no, it, it definitely opens the door a little bit more for Dalton Pompey, but also for some of those other non-roster invitees that we were discussing earlier, like a Danny Barnes or a Justin Schaefer, this guys like that uh, who could crack uh, this bullpen now if Tapera and Axford aren't ready for opening day. Yeah, the only thing I think on those guys is the fact that they are not already on the 40-man roster. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you that. Uh, that's Where Dalton Pompey right? is literally sitting there. No moves yeah, have to I, be done, and I honestly, I just, I, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. But it's going to come down to what they need, think they need, and like I said, I if if you get him five days in the majors, is is that better to get see what he get does, or or is it better off just cutting ties and letting it go? I will be very very surprised after the spring that Dalton Pompey has had if some other team isn't just waiting to snipe him off the waiver wire. Yeah. Well, I guess the one good thing about Axford not being on the roster is they were going to have to make room regardless. So now they can make room for Bud Norris. But yeah, no, it, it's going to be very interesting because they have so many different, uh, more so with the Tapera potential injury and needing to put somebody on. It's, I mean, this could put somebody on the 60-day DL that's already injured as well. So they're going to have to get creative to open up their 40-man spots uh, somehow. So it sucks. It's going to have a ripple effect, not just in the bullpen, but across the entire roster. Yeah. So speaking of fun stuff like the roster, who makes this team? There's a few questions still left as far as Sogard and Urania, the bullpen thing with Luciano being the other wild card in this whole equation. And, yeah, they got a new addition in Jason Adam, too. So there's some things there. As far as your utility guy, who are you leaning toward right now for your that that extra infielder you know what I think they'll and this is another guy who they would have to make room for on the roster but I would be leaning towards Eric Sogard especially because uh he has played in the outfield before and when they've had those four outfield alignments uh throughout the course of spring training which is getting all the talking points on <laughs> 30 for 30 with some of the guys from uh from Monday when the Jays were featured there and just uh, all over social media Sogard, when he's in the game, is the guy who goes out into the outfield and can be comfortable there, where, as I believe uh, on 30 for 30, Grichik uh, was saying, when Urania was out there, he said, hey man, you gotta catch this for me, or something like that. <laughs> I think that actually <laughs> so, was Guriel that said it. Yeah, that's it, it was Lourdes. <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Urania, but uh, I just think for the flexibility of being able to employ that four-man outfield, which it does seem like they're gonna be using a little bit, uh, throughout the course to of regular at this point in spring that they're at least comprehending it. Yeah, and I mean, hey, I'm fine with that, especially when you got some heavy power hitters who get the ball in the air a lot and, and into the outfield. It makes it does make a lot of sense. But yeah, for that reason alone, I'd probably be going with uh, with Eric Sogard uh, to uh, to be that guy who makes uh, the team over Urania. Plus, they probably want Urania to get consistent at bats down in Buffalo. If Sogard flops, Urania's back up pretty quickly. 
yeah, and that's kind of where I was leaning toward as far as things go, too, just because Urania is going to get everyday reps, and it's going to be a balancing act of where Urania actually fits in, in Buffalo even, as far as that infield starting a roundup. you got Telez at first. You're going to have um, Biggio probably at second. Bo obviously yep. at short, and then the Vladman at third once he's healthy. So Exactly. <laughs> Urania is having those points now where he's going to have – difficulty because the prospects have caught up to him brendan to you know be on the same level with him and that and, and a lot of the luster of the richard urania top prospect has faded yeah i don't know what to make of richard urania anymore i mean he's had a bit of cup of coffee in the major leagues the last few years and he's looked okay like in 2017 in 68 bats he only hit 206 but last year, he actually looked pretty competent at the plate. Not, almost 100 at-bats when he got up here. Almost hit 300, a 340 OVP, so he took some walks. He's hit a home run in each of his year that he'd been up here. So there is a little something in that bat, but I just there's no real shine. He doesn't seem to do anything over the top to make him stand out and be like, wow, this kid needs to be on our roster. So, uh, two at years some ago, point, you thought gonna... the batting average was going to be that sticking out number. Exactly. He was batting and, like near uh, 350 or something like that that one year in New Hampshire. It was insane. Yeah. When he was, and funny enough, he was one of the better prospects in the system back then, and now everybody, as you mentioned, has caught back up to him. So, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be interesting. Maybe with this bullpen news and, and needing to create extra room on the 40-man, they lean to just keeping Urania uh, up in the big league so that they don't have to either DFA somebody or put somebody on the 60-day DL to make room for Sogard. Yeah, and that would be the one ding against Sogard because in all reality, I think he's also one of those clubhouse guys, especially with these young guys. He's found a way to grind out at bats and everything just to even be in the majors in the first place. That's somebody that could sh- you know, show a lot to these young kids. So Yeah, 100%. So, And then maybe I just want to see Wendy Peppercorn because he squints and <laughs> things like that. So. I think everybody does. <laughs> so the only other... Um, one here that kind of snuck up on everybody, I think, was that Anthony Alver got sent down to the minor leagues camp the other day. And I think a lot of people were expecting him kind of hang around until maybe this weekend. I think I think that's where some of it's getting sour with people. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I am a little bit surprised that they sent him down already considering the spring that he's having. But I don't know, maybe just tell him, hey, you'll, you'll be probably the first guy up here if we need an extra guy on the roster you've shown us a lot just go get ready and get ready for buffalo uh get off to a good start and you'll be up here rather quickly um the one thing that they were saying today and i completely agree with what kevin barker had to say with jeff blair and by the way baseball central is coming back on the jeff blair show starting next monday from 11 till 12 so it's super exciting uh don't have to hear all this hockey talk as much anymore (laughs) yeah uh, they were saying that, and we've said this throughout the course of the offseason, is that there's that one roadblock who still is there in center field and, and Kevin Pillar. And especially now, uh, that offer's been sent down. The front office has been very happy with what they've seen with T. Oscar Hernandez, both at the plate and in the field. So you have Billy McKinney there that kind of is a fourth outfielder but isn't going to see a whole lot of playing time. So... Pilar just seems to be like that guy who just needs to move to open up another spot in the outfield for some more full playing time for a McKinney or an Anthony Alford. So who knows, man, maybe maybe Kevin Pilar 
won't be here much longer, and they'll open up that spot for Alford and McKinney to play more consistently at the bigs. Yeah, between Pilar and Smoke, and I, I love both of them, so this, the fact that we're even talking about this is one thing. I can see why everybody would think Kevin Pilar would definitely be the first one to go because of that roadblocking situation, and he has a solid player coming and nipping at his heels. It really would not shock me that if Anthony Alford was given an opportunity to run with a job, that he's going to just run away with it. He's got all the right tools, and this is the exact kind of guy you would want to build an outfield around. It's, And in all reality, it always shocked me that Kevin Pillar ended up becoming our center fielder. If you think back to 2015, man, Dalton Pompey was the man in the Myers yeah. system. Kevin Pillar, I don't even recall him being on many of people's top prospects list. He was just that guy that was consistently doing his job throughout the Blue Jays' Meyer League system. Mind you, batting around 300 most of those times, too. And we have failed to see that in the Blue Jay uniform. Insane defense, but even that's starting to round off a little bit. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's almost time for him to go, just to open up that spot. And, and you bring up Justin Smoke, too. I mean, I love Smoke. Um, I wish he would uh, be able to stay here a little bit longer with the next core, but even his time with Rowdy having the spring that he has and looking pretty good at the play, if he gets off to a good start and Billy McKinney playing from first base, then there's another hole that you have to open up there as well. So, you know, the last three veterans really on this roster uh, that were kind of holdovers from the playoff years and uh, the one addition of Morales the offseason after uh, the 2016 playoff run, Morales, Smoke, and Pilar would not surprise me if they're all gone by the trade deadline, or uh, at least two-thirds of them. Morales may be the only one who sticks around just for his clubhouse leadership abilities. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, as we've said in a lot of our conversations, especially dating back to the middle of December and and November when there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, it's almost time to give Anthony Offer those full-time big league reps. And to do that, you need to open up another spot in the outfield. And the only guy right now who would be moved to do that would be Kevin Pillar. Yeah, it's one of those things that right now I think there is some some benefit of Anthony Alford going to the minor leagues. He is still raw. This is a guy that was playing football not even three years ago. <laughs> so it's one of those things I could see that they would want to send him to Buffalo and go, okay, this is your turn. You're going to run with it. You're going to be one of the guys in that Buffalo Bison's locker room. And which is saying something with, with what that locker room's starting to look like, Brendan. <laughs> so let him run with that, see where he can do. And if he all of a sudden gets off to a tear and, and continues this trend like he's been doing this spring, he's going to force their hand. And it's going to be will. one of those things that has to happen at that point. Yeah, he will. And you know what? You bring up the whole point of going down to the minors and having some stuff to work on. He absolutely does. That's what people have to keep in mind. When that whole conversation about Ryan Barucki and the uncertainty about his rotation spot coming up after Buckholz was added and, and Clayton Richard uh, being all but certainly guaranteed a rotation spot even after Buckholz was added, Barucki has nothing else to learn down in AAA. We saw him pitch very well in 17 big, big starts. Sean Reed Foley, on the other hand, definitely has a lot more to learn. So you can say the same for Anthony Offord, too. He's not quite ready. Much like Sean Reed Foley, they both have stuff to work on, but each of them at their respective positions, uh, position players for Alford and pitchers for Sean Reed Foley, they'll both be one of the first from each group to be up here once the season gets going and they need some extra bodies on the roster. Yeah, and that's exactly the best way of saying it. There's two, two ends of the spectrum there. 
there's no reason that one player needs to even think about AAA just because they have nothing they can possibly jump with at that point. It's like, okay, you set the bar this high, I'm already 10 feet above it. Where Alfred is probably like right at that bar where he's got a few things that he's got to tweak, maybe work on his approach a little bit, but it's fine refining. You're not talking about a guy that isn't quote-unquote ready for the majors, I mean, <laughs> or you're cementing him as a minor league player. This is a guy that will be playing Major League Baseball probably sooner rather than later. Yeah. You know what? When he was up here for the first time in 2017, it was uh, in early to mid-May, because um, I just remember that ringing double he hit in Milwaukee that year. Um, so he I wouldn't uh, probably by beginning, maybe late May, uh, we will see Anthony offered up here, and, and hopefully it's for good because uh, they need somebody in that outfield to break out, which... By the way, on 30 for 30, Mark DeRosa and the crew was saying that that guy could also be Randall Gritchick. DeRosa was very high on Randall Gritchick the other day. So if that kind of comes together, then you got two-thirds of an outfield to fill in for a little while. Yeah, that was that might have been one of my favorite interviews during the whole 30 for 30, just the fact that Randall Gritchick's a fun guy to be around, and then DeRosa and uh, Scott Braun. That was a good interview. Yeah. And I love the fact that he was like, so is this the year that Randall Gritchick finally breaks out? And he goes, I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good interview. I quite like that one, actually, especially the uh, Gritchick being able to be so honest and upfront with that and have a little fun with that question. Yeah, and as far as the rest of that interview goes, uh, I figured we'd talk about this later, but him just completely exonif- or not uh, personifying the new-look Toronto Blue Jays as far as the new culture, I think, goes. And it seems like he's wearing that badge pretty well. And the exact quote for how... Charlie Montoyo and him and the rest of everybody are all fitting into this new reformed reworking for the Toronto Blue Jays. On Charlie Montoyo, Richard Gr- Randall Gritchick said, we're going to be different, we're going to have fun, we're going to go out there and match people's intensity. That's a pretty you know, exciting quote from a player that hasn't been in this organization at long, but knew enough, obviously, with the Gibby and then going into the Montoyo spring. Things are different, man. They are. They are, and it is actually quite exciting. I mean, the last few years, it was all the veterans who were still here. They were making playoff runs, which is obviously very exciting, but those kind of in-between years when they were still deciding what to do, 2017 and 2018, when you look back at it, it was so pointless. They were just kind of stuck in... in yeah, it, it was just kind of... They're stuck in no-man's land. 2017, I understand, because, you were hey, you're coming off two back-to-back ALCS appearances... Sure, you lost Encarnacion, but you still tried to replace him with Kendris Morales and a few other veterans in hopes that, hey, if this team is healthy again, the pitching rotation should be good enough. We'll compete for a spot again. So I guess I'll give 2017 a pass. But 2018, when there were still veterans here and Donaldson and Martin and Tulo and all those guys, just such a pointless year. And it just didn't seem like there was a whole bunch of energy around the ball club the last few years. It was all very laid back. Veterans were still doing their thing. So now it's just going to be such a breath of fresh air to see all these kids giving it their all because they all need to start proving that they belong in the major leagues and for full-time roles. I mean, even though some of them have been told they have jobs, like Tay Oscar and Randall Gritchick, Billy McKinney, uh, just going through the list here, even Brandon Drury, Danny Jansen, uh, Ryan Barucki, all these young kids still need to go out there and prove, like, hey, we belong here. We don't want to go back down to the minor leagues. We're here for good. So they're going to have to go out there and compete. If they do that... Then who knows, man? They maybe they will be able to catch some people by surprise. Yeah, 
And that's exactly the kind of thing that Randall Gritchick was trying to preach here in that interview. The fact that this team is going to be fun and exciting regardless of what's going on. They're going to find a way to grind out wins, and I think that is the biggest cultural change that the Toronto Blue Jays needed that injection for. Over the past few years, you were just hitting the nail on the head, especially last season. Just kind of fell flat. It's like we were on life support. We are just kind of trickling along, you know? Yeah. So now this injection of the youth, you have a new upbeat manager, and this is nothing against John Gibbons. So please, fans, no. do not freak <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. something we needed at Gibby. this point. <laughs> I love Gibby as much as anybody else, especially his little trot to the mound was one of my favorite things on the planet. <laughs> so, but... Just the fact that I think that they're all buying in 100% to what Charlie Montoyo is preaching, and there is no reason they shouldn't be, Brendan. This is insane what this guy's bringing to the club, I think, as far as everybody's upbeat, everybody's in, and there's not really anybody being left behind. Everybody knows their place. Uh, did you tell that to David Paulino? <laughs> <laughs> you, no, he was put uh, back it, in his place, and I'm sure he is yeah. completely wide awake now. <laughs> he might have <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ken Giles took care of that instead of Charlie Montoyo. But no, I mean, the way they're going to play this year, even though fans hate bunting, and, and I, I'm not a big fan of bunting either. It's basically like giving the other team a free out, which it kind of is. But at the same time, a lot of the stuff that they're going to be doing, they're going to be stealing bases more because they're more athletic, they're younger, they're quicker and faster. Uh, they'll be looking to take the extra base uh, as often as they can, whether it's trying to stretch a single into a double with some of their faster guys. The way they're going to be playing is keeping everybody on the base path, every pitcher on their feet at all times in the game. So you have to be a thousand percent alert at every single time and, and get creative in terms of ways to score runs. The other thing that they were saying on 30 for 30 is that's what they're obviously going to have to do because it's not these big mashers anymore with Bautista and Edwin and Donaldson and Tulo and Colabello that carried the team in, in 2015. There's not that many power hitting guys in the lineup anymore. So they're going to have to get creative with the way they score runs and, to do that, they're going to be, have to be on their toes and, and all bought in. And Montoya seems to have done that perfectly this spring. Yeah, everybody's all in. And I just couldn't believe watching some of these guys talking about Charlie Montoya. And I think you even see it in his interviews. It's just he, you know, it's just he reaps of this. It's just you know, come out and play. We're going to have a good time, and this is going to happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, winds are just going <laughs> to come. And I, I, I'd be shocked if they play two games in a row exactly the same way. That's kind of almost what yeah. I'm getting out of this whole thing. So. Yeah, it's going to be different, and it's going to be fun because it's uh, it's not going to be the same weight for the long ball, which is great, and they still do have power hitters. Don't take what I said earlier away. They're still smoking and guys who can put the ball over the fence. But, it's not all uh, the way through yeah. the lineup, though. It's sprinkled. Exactly. Like before, you could go eight deep with guys who were legitimate 20 home run threats in like 2015 and even parts of 2016. But now maybe a few, but yeah, no, it's going to be different ways to win. Uh, whenever they do win every single time out, it's not just going to be how they did it in the past, which was truly relying on the home run. It's going to be a lot less home runs and a lot more stealing bases and, and unfortunately bunting and uh, moving runners over. So yeah, I, I think you summed it up pretty well there, Craig. Yeah. I think the, if they were going to shoot for an offensive profile, this is power to the gaps baseball. Especially Agreed. in a ballpark like the Rogers Center, let the hit, let it hit the damn carpet and run, man. <laughs> yeah, and they have guys who have really good extra base power for a lot of doubles. You've got Lourdes Gurriel, Danny Jansen will be able to do that. Drury, Freddie Galvis has a good amount of power. Uh, Teoscar, Randall, Billy McKinney seems like he's going to be a doubles machine. 
So yeah, I think it's going to work really well. It's going to be a lot more stringing doubles and, and, and runs and, and hits together instead of clearing the bases with the home run, which, again, it's not a bad thing, but there's going to be a whole lot more, uh, hopefully longer innings where they're piling on singles and doubles and triples and just keep on getting on pitchers. You don't sit back and wait for the home run because it'll just come to you at this point. Exactly. That's what they can't afford to do anymore like they did in 2015 and 2016. Um, that's what the tw- downfall of 2017-2018 was. You were playing that same offense, and Donaldson was on the DL. Bautista wasn't himself. Edwin's gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that, that's very true. Very, very true. They played the same way when they didn't really have the roster to do so. So, in the principle of this being basically pedal-to-the-metal baseball on the offense for the Blue Jays, I don't think that this move... Uh, <laughs> doesn't it just personifies it perfectly? Randall Grichik batting leadoff. Yeah, that's, that is interesting, uh, especially considering he doesn't get on base a ton because he doesn't really walk. But at the same time, I, I don't mind it. It'll be interesting to see how it works for a little while. The perfect leadoff hitter, if he had time in my mind, is Billy McKinney. I think I've said that before, but the guy bats left-handed. He can he can take his bases, get on, lead the game off with a double. But uh, Randall Grichuk could make it one nothing really, really quickly. He's got that kind of power. Yeah, and um, honestly, after I heard that move, Brandon, as I was thinking was like the 93 Blue Jays and how Lenny Dykstra just got on our <laughs> nerves constantly. You had a guy like that that can just ignite a lineup or a Brady Anderson or any of those guys like that that just have plenty of legs underneath them. They're going to beat you one way or the other, but then all of a sudden they just uncork a freaking monster home run to start a game. That is going to light your team on fire and watch everything fall into place. Yeah, from that perspective, I don't mind Grichik in the leadoff spot, but it kind of goes against everything that you want in a leadoff hitter. Somebody who can work the count a little bit, not strike out very much, take his four base or four balls and get on base that way or, or whatnot. So It'll be interesting to see how long the Randall Grichik exper- uh, experiment in the leadoff spot goes for, if he, in fact, opens up as a leadoff guy. It screams to me, just like 2016 when they tried Pilar in the leadoff spot. They True. just both don't fit that profile. And we know that isn't going to happen anytime soon. And on honest reality, I was surprised to see him in the sixth spot in today's lineup. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, as far as leadoff players, hitters go, though, one that I thought was intriguing was Loris Gurriel Jr., if you're going to have him play in second base every day because now you got Freddie Galvis that's short, he's a guy that's going to slap the ball all over the field. They're never going to know where he's going to line up or anything like that. So, yes, he doesn't walk a ton, but he's going to just spray foul balls, and he's going to find a way to put something in play. Yeah, and I think if Gurriel, Gurriel still has a lot of uh, learning to do as a hitter, like we said, he's got to take his, 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 his walks, but... He hits for a very high average consistently at other levels, so he should be able to get on base enough uh, just by his batting average alone. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Lourdes in that in that spot as well. I think uh, um, he may have shown enough last year that he he, he, he earned it. So I, I would not be uh, surprised if Lourdes ends up there uh, right after the Randall Grichik experiment. Yeah, because that would at yeah, least, in my opinion, have... drop Randall Grichik down to number two down maybe. And then yeah. have Teoscar, Smoke, wow. and Kendris Morales in your centerpiece of the lineup there. Probably Smoke back yeah. three <laughs> because of the switch hitter. Yeah, it would be interesting to see the construction of the lineup. I mean, if you're going Grichik or uh, – my guess, yeah, my guess would be Grichik and Guriel probably are some combination of one-two. 
and then you got the Oscar Smoke Morales, just as you said, and then the bottom part of the order, I'm assuming, would go something like until Vlad gets up here, Brain and Drury, maybe go hit sixth, uh, Danny Jansen seven, Galvis eight, and and Pilar nine. That seems like it seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, I like the idea of Pilar being nine as the turnaround guy because he's a lot better than any nine hitter you're normally going to have there. <laughs> so you're almost resetting yeah. the plate back up. And, uh, and that might, gall- it might keep him a little more consistent through the season, too, because you we know the story. Crushes it in yeah. the first part of the season, and then <laughs> nothing the second half. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope we don't go through that same movie again. It's like, hey, maybe Kevin Pollard's actually figured it out this April because he's actually doing some things better than last year in April when he got off to this great start. So maybe this is sustainable. It never is. It hasn't been the last two years. He's never shown the ability to keep good starts sustained. So I just want to see some level of consistency throughout the year or as long as he's a Blue Jay this year. I also like Galvis in the eighth spot because, man, Freddie Galvis got a lot of power. And he's going to play well in the AL East. Exactly. You get it 20, 25 bombs with that power he's got in a much better ballpark than San Diego. I just have to say this about the Kevin Pillar thing. Why am I thinking June is all I'm hearing is our friend Adam Corsera going, I told you! <laughs> it was kind of... <laughs> uh, so, it just happens. It's how it is. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the unexpected happens. But I think there's going to be enough offense in this tank that people are going to be pleasantly surprised. I really don't think we are a 70-win team if everything clicks. No, I don't either. If everything clicks, there's better health this year, especially in the rotation. They could push for 500. That wouldn't surprise me. I would say probably realistically, you're looking at maybe between maybe around 78, 79 wins, which is starting to push 500. But if they're relatively healthy, they're hitting, the prospects come up. Once Vlad gets here, offered a few other guys. Who knows, man? Maybe they will push for 500 or a few games above 500, which will get some excitement going for a full year of Vlad in 2020 and, and almost a full year of Bo. So maybe that window to start thinking legitimately about competing for a wild card spot begins as soon as next year. Yeah. So before we dive into another Vlad talk, because <laughs> it's going to happen here in a minute, everybody, just you know, keep your pants on. Um, so as far as all the fun goes, the... Um, for this season, obviously we're in a rebuild. There's plenty of things to look forward to, and all the Blue Jays fans know that. If you were setting the bar for your main goals for this season, is it to figure out what your 2020 lineup would look like because you're going to eventually get all those pieces probably into play this year? Or where is your line at the moment, Brendan? Or is it based on wins? No, it's, it's not based on wins. It's right now, first and foremost, based on health for the veterans so that they can be flipped at the deadline or before the deadline for quality pieces. That uh, would be Sanchez and Stroman. And who knows, maybe they will make a call in one of them and decide, hey, we want to keep this guy around for a little bit longer because, I mean, until Nate Pearson steps up and TJ Zoic and, and Pardino, who's still a ways off, and hey, he, they're shutting him down for a while with his elbow issues as well. Uh, that's cropped up over the last few days, but... They may need to think about extending a Stroman there in Sanchez, but for the time being, one of them uh, being healthy enough, pitching well, uh, to be able to be flipped at the deadline for a considerable haul and keep on adding to this already talented pool of prospects. I mean, the same could go for 
Matt Shoemaker, especially with his year of control after this year. If Shoemaker is healthy and pitches well, he could be flipped. There still are quite a few flippable assets in here when you really look at it. I wouldn't be surprised if they're... Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're hoping for the same with Clay Buckholz. If he does something like what he did with Arizona last year, he could be flipped. Uh, David Phelps, once he comes back and is healthy, and he has that extra year of control as well. So there are a lot of guys who can still be had and and add a lot of talent into this uh, minor league pool. And maybe even some starters from other organizations who are much closer to the big leagues than what some of the... uh, Guys currently have in the uh, or uh, what the Blue Jays have currently in the minor leagues. Yeah, so just to put put the bow on what you just said there, basically you're um, even though the Blue Jays and you and I have agreed on this that the rebuild has been full on and they've done a really 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 incredible job of gathering pieces up to this point. You're almost thinking continued rebuild rebuild 2.0 within the rebuild here and grab it even more talent <laughs> and just yeah. insanely loaded which is already the fifth best minor league system in all of baseball you want this to be the number one minor league system in all of baseball by the end of this season is what i'm hearing i want them to have as much talent at all positions as possible because when you think about it with the amount of infielders that you have right now in the minor league system especially up the middle at short and second let's just say you have 10 if two of them are hits then you got cornerstones around the infield for years to come and that's considered a success anything more than two guys out of those 10 or eight guys is considered unreal and with the amount of flexibility that they're preaching you can plug them in at other spots around the diamond where you need guys to fill in so Keep on adding as much talent as possible so that the chances of getting it right and having hits on pitching, outfielders, infielders, catchers, everything is uh, much higher than just having a few guys who could be studs and you're not relying on that one guy to break out, which they've done in the past and it hasn't worked out so well. (laughs) I will make the argument that at least the bar is set a lot higher in the Meyer League system right now than because I honestly would not be shocked if Nate Pearson runs his way all the way to Buffalo this year, and even maybe a September call-up. If they wanted to get playful, and I think a lot of that will depend on what goes on at the trade deadline and how open the 40-man roster is. But TJ Zoik, I honestly was very impressed watching him last year in New Hampshire. He's going to be in Buffalo this year. And I have not heard anybody talking about him this spring, and honestly, it's been shocking. He's a guy that's (laughs) a very good pitcher. Yeah, he's going to start in, in, in Buffalo, I'm assuming, or maybe at the very beginning in New Hampshire. But no, Zoik, uh, first-round pick, I believe he was the first-ever draft pick by the new regime of Shapiro and Ross Atkins. Uh, uh, I think when you might they, be right uh, with that. I'd have to really seriously do some digging to find that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, hey, I believe he, it was 2016, not, though. Yep. So, yeah, that would have been. That lines up when Shapiro and Atkins did take over here. So, yeah, I mean, he and he pitched 120 innings in A last year and pitched well. So maybe he starts there for maybe three or four starts and gets up to Buffalo quickly, or they just start him right there. Zoik, I bet we see here as a September call-up. Yeah, makes sense because he's already going to be in Buffalo more than likely for a sizable chunk this season. So why not one more level if somebody got hurt or something? Or you just need to get somebody else to rake in some innings. 
out of the bullpen because there was something funky going on. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. And I guess that will push me to my point on where the goals are lying, in my opinion, for the 2019 season. And by the way, I do agree with you. <laughs> They're going to get a sizable haul, <laughs> I think, come this exclusive trade deadline this year. But Yes, that's right. So as far as my goals go, I want this to be shaken out. I want them to go out there, figure out how they can win with what they have right now because it will make that much easier for when the pieces come in for even next season. The free agent market's very impressive next season. I'm not saying they're going to run out and grab Justin Verlander at his age, but, you know, things like that. There's all sorts of good talent coming on that. They're going to make trades. They're going to make get new pieces. And they're going to probably shoot for more major league-ready pieces if they know they can get a little bit of a win this season. If they're in that 70 to 80 win ballpark again with what they have, Brendan, it's going to be that much easier for them to want to go out and just go, okay, everybody gets a bunny. You know, they're not going to get Mike Trout money, (laughs) (laughs) which we'll get to here in a minute. But this could be a very – this team could take off really quickly if they get out the gate and do something this season. And – from what we've been seeing with Charlie Montoyo's you know, management style, hearing these guys like Grichik talk, just seeing them play this spring with a hompodgery of all sorts of different lineups and <laughs> looks <laughs> and all these different players, plus seeing the new regime that is going to come from the Meyer Leagues, the new crop here in the next, you know, could be month, two months, three months, four months. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to slowly trickle in, and this team's only going to get that much more impressive. So on top of what you said by raking in new pieces at the trade deadline for those quote-unquote obsoleted pieces that don't fit for the future for the Toronto Blue Jays, you get the rest of that right this season. This team is going to take off in 2020, run all the way with it maybe in 2021, and be very, very impressive very quickly. That would be fantastic. It's not so far away. And when you think about it, they only still, we said this before, they only have one guaranteed major league contract on the books for 2020, and that's Lourdes Gurriel. So they're going to have a ton of money. So if they figure it all out this year, they know who's going to be here in 2020 when Vlad is fully here and Bo Bichette is fully here. They're going to start making some flashier free agent signings as soon as the off season going into 2020. So plug and play, and hey, they could compete for a spot as soon as next year. So, Blue Jays fans, be patient. This year will be better than last year. It will be more exciting. You'll see the kids. You'll be able to go down to the ballpark and identify guys you want to see here for the next five to six to seven years. And just enjoy it. Baseball is almost back, and if you love it as much as we do, then no matter how bad they are, you're still going to tune in almost every day. And it can be maybe more fun than Fortnite, or at least more fun than the players are going to have playing Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No so, Fortnite, what, two hours before the game or whatever the heck the uh, policy is? Something like that. I, I, the thing that struck me the most hilarious about that whole thing is I figured that was going to be something that was instituted by the front management. Apparently that was something the players agreed on, and I think that yeah. speaks you know, leaps and bounds to where the maturity level is in this young locker room, because... They, you know, obviously it's the kids that want to play the freaking video games and stuff. I don't see Justin Smoke sitting down and wanting to play, you know, Wii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Very interesting that it was players who brought that up. Hey, it's good. It shows you that they are committed to being a good baseball team and uh, not letting anything else distract them. Especially when you come out and hear that Carlos Santana with the Phillies last year broke a TV with the bat because in September and the Phillies were still in the playoff run. There was a lot of video game playing going on in the clubhouse during the game. 
when they needed to win to try to push for the playoffs. So that's oh, it's good. It's a great sign. Yeah, it is. It I is can't even imagine. I, what do you say to your team if you're back playing freaking video games in the midst of a freaking ball game? This is, it's the same as like having your cell phone out in a freaking court hearing or <laughs> you know anything like that to me or something. But it's just insane. I couldn't imagine doing that to my team and letting them down in that fashion. And I think that's what exactly the Blue Jays are like. We're not even. This isn't going to be a problem. We're not. We're getting this out of the way now, and we can win this year because we're not distracted by this kind of stuff. Exactly. No, it's perfect. I'm really glad that they've uh, they've shown that uh, they are mature and and they're ready to uh, to not have anything distract them as they all continue to grow and progress. Yeah, mind you, this is a team that is averaged probably around what the 26, 28 year old ballpark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go through the roster, and there are so many guys born in the 90s, like right around 92, 93, 94. There's very few people who are uh, uh, born in 1990 or earlier, going back into the 80s. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's not like we have an Ichiro or somebody that's throwing the offset. <laughs> you know, the oldest player on the books right now, is it Clayton Richard or Kendris Morales? Either of them are, I would yeah, think, would be... I think it is. They're both born in 1983, Clayton okay. Richard and Kendrick Morales, so they both would be. Uh, looks like it's Kendris. Kendris was Just born that. in. Yes, not by much. He was born in June of 83, where <laughs> Clayton Richard was born in December of 83, so not by much. <laughs> yeah, but either way, this is. A... Just think of that. Two years ago, the average age in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> was closer to third mid thirties. Yeah. So now you're talking about completely going the other direction, and it's only going to get younger when Bo, Vlad, Biggio, <laughs> and company come up. <laughs> <laughs> I I clicked on Clayton Richards' uh, bio on BlueJays.com and just discovered that his nickname is Clay Clay. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, <man. laughs> So that's going to be on his jersey on Players Weekend? <laughs> I hope so, because I just clicked on Ken Giles to see what his was, and it's Andrew Miles Giles, so that's what was on his Players Weekend jersey last year. So. <laughs> All I'm picturing clay. is a bunch of drunken $5 beard Blue Jays fans yelling out, Yo, Clay Clay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, he's warming up in the pen before the ball game. <laughs> He'd probably like it, too. <laughs> he's yeah, getting I'm sure some he's getting the nickname about it. He's like, hey, guys, what's up? Where's my beer? Oh, wait, that was Roddy's yeah. guys that asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um but it's going to be interesting, and I think that's the kind of fun that at least this team's going to have, even on their own, without us just goofing around with it. But <laughs> Clay, It'll be Clay. Fun. Oh, man. <laughs> so, as far as some of the fun stuff goes for the minor leagues fun, in breaking news, the Blue Jays obviously threw this whole thing out, and they're the first team to do this, Brendan. I thought this was amazingly impressive, and I'm sorry we didn't talk about this in our pre-show prep, but it just dawned on me again that we hadn't talked about this yet. The Blue Jays are the first team in Major League Baseball to offer their minor league players a 50% pay raise, and this is more or less getting them to a normal living. Yeah. It's fantastic. It is awesome to know that the Blue Jays are the first organization to do that. It makes me feel proud to be a Blue Jay fan, especially when you hear all the horror stories about minor leaguers just barely getting by on what they were currently making. 
uh, and what 29 organizations are still paying their team. Baseball's a billion dollar industry, if not more than that. So they can afford it in organizations to play their minor leaguers at least a living wage to be able to eat comfortably, eat right, sleep right, do everything. So the fact the fact that the Blue Jays have taken a step forward and done that already, uh, a will help them uh, retain players long term because they got started off better. And people will be excited to be drafted by the Blue Jays from now on because they know they they're going to be treated right and paid well. So it's uh, it does wonders for the game of baseball around uh, and hopefully setting an example for other teams to follow. But also it's going to help the Blue Jays develop players a lot better too because they can be healthier with what they eat, sleep better, and just live more comfortably. Yeah, and this is along with all the re- you know, renovations they're doing in Dunedin too. That is going to be a full. Blue Jays organization complex. This is going to be somewhere they can go to all year round and be like Blue Jays baseball mecca, <laughs> you know, and now they're going to have the right money to be able to do that travel in the first place. They're going to be able to get the kind of treatment and, uh, you know, development tools that they need, which was something else that we haven't talked about as far as how much technology has been around this team this spring. <laughs> but it's it's insane that no team has done this. And just to put this in perspective, Brendan, I know you know this, but just for our fans that might not have heard these whole things, Major League Baseball does not have any any reason to give minor league baseball players a full year salary unless they're one of the te- players that likes like Vlad, Bobachet, somebody like that has gotten a serious payday from their signing bonus. Regular everyday minor league players do not get paid full year round. They their wage when you break out their salary for the season doesn't really equate to a full year's worth of minimum wage here in the states, and it it, it makes them live in eight per people to two bedroom apartments and somebody sleeping on an air mattress or in a tub whatever it might be, <laughs> just so that they can okay. save a buck so that they don't worry have to worry about maybe flipping burgers in the off season. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So. As, as we said, it is going to help them be able to live better, more comfortably. I think it, this is well overdue, and the fact that the team that we both cheer for and love did that first and took that first step to making change across the game of baseball makes me extra proud to be a Blue Jay fan. And Montoyo summed it up perfectly. He says he feels very proud to be a Blue Jay uh, after he heard that announcement, that the minor leaguers. And coming from all people, Charlie Montoyo, who spent... 18 years in the minor leagues. He knows Riding that grind. buses and everything. <laughs> yeah, like you're not even flying places. You're taking buses everywhere. You're not sleeping properly. So, no, it is absolutely fantastic, and I'm glad that they did that. So, in other news, the Chicago White Sox have given another minor league player their top prospect, Eloy Jimenez, a ginormous contract for somebody that has not stepped on Major League Baseball soil yet. So... As it goes, Eloy Jimenez, like I said, is the Chicago White Sox number one prospect, and they just dropped a sizable amount of money on him, Brendan. I'm trying to get the full dollar amount here, but it equates to as high as $80 million in incentives over six years, but it starts off as $42.5 million over those six years with two team options. This is a very, very friendly organization contract. But still, a yeah. lot of upfront money for somebody that could be, in the, as far as White Sox greats go, this could be the next Jose Abreu as far as offensive power goes. Yeah, it'd probably be better than Jose Abreu when he gets back here. He's going to be one of those 
generational type talents. He's right up there, Eloy Jimenez with Vlad Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr., all these guys who are coming up and making all the noise and headways through the minor leagues right now. So, yeah, I mean, the Phillies did some did something similar for a guy who never have made it to the major leagues yet in Scott Kingery just last year, just bought out all of his RB years and got him on a major league contract. So... Yeah, his was White for 24. I just happened to, it's in the same article I was reading for the Eloy Jimenez. $24 million for six years for him. Doesn't have any yeah, incentives. Exactly, for Scott Kingery. So he just did that, and, and it was unprecedented at the time. This is going to be, I think, become the new norm. When you've got guys who are generational talents, just get them on major league contracts now. Get them making them money so that they can be developed better and, and, and brought along quicker. Just eat healthy, sleep right, all that stuff, but the White Sox know that they have this generational type talent on their roster, and they're not a financial powerhouse, the Chicago White Sox. So lock him up now when you can, and just get it done. And this is already going to start the conversation, is, hey, the Blue Jays should do this with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. <laughs> I think the Blue Jays, the only reason this, if this isn't happening behind closed doors, I would not be shocked at the moment, just because the there's three main guys, or well, at least two main guys, that are going to be stepping through that door that fit this mold for the Blue Jays. And it's not yep. just Vlad. So you got Boba Shet nipping on his heels, and then you could even make the argument for you know some of the guys just down the line, but they're probably a couple more years down the ways on that. But they're gonna you could lock up Danny Jansen. <laughs> you could yeah. that with Boba Shet, Vladdy, those three guys, and you have a solid core to your te- your starting nine day in and day out. For you know a very reasonable rate, I'm not saying yeah. that, you know obviously those guys will get different things. Vladdy being, I think honestly, if you were going to have to pay Vladdy right now, he's looking at this Eloy Jimenez thing going. If you gave me that money, I'm not taking it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> want more? <laughs> it's my point. He, everybody's talking and comparing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as the next coming of baseball gods, basically, <laughs> and then all the projections and everything point to that at this point, that everybody knows he's going to do everything that he is wanting to do in Major League Baseball, especially with his lumber. Yeah, no, exactly. So, you know, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly, potentially, that they, uh, that they decide to do this. It wouldn't surprise me if, maybe not this year, this baseball season, but heading into next year, uh, once he's firmly on the Major League roster, with all that money that will be off the books after this year, and only that one Lourdes Gurriel contract that is 100% on the books that they consider uh, and probably wouldn't be surprised if they do something like this for Vlad going into next offseason, just get him on a major league salary. And maybe even they'll do the same thing with Boba Yeah, I think it, they'd be silly to try not doing something like this with Vlad after this season. My thinking is, at least with any of these kind of contracts, and even doing something like this with the Eloy Jimenez model slash Scott Kingery model, they have so much money to play with for next offseason for the free agent market. I think you need to see where that shakes out before you can really start thinking about even committing money to these guys. You know, I'm not yeah. saying they're going to go land somebody like Bryce Harper, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I think you summed it up uh, perfectly there. You got you lock them up now to reasonable deals for guys who haven't really played in the major leagues before, but give them some good money, but. You'll be uh, you'll be ready for uh, uh, other free agents that are out in the market and save yourself some dollars down the road. Yeah, and you'll be able to pour your concrete for your next Mount Rushmore of Blue Jays 
you know, core next season (laughs) between whatever free agents and whatever they do with these kind of deals with the youngsters. And I think that literally be what carries us for whatever the next five, ten years is, somewhere in that ballpark. That's what you're kind of doing with these contracts, and why not? Yeah, get them on the books now. Know how much money you have to go plug and play around the rest of the Major League roster when it comes to signing guys, and and you're set. You're set to build a contender for the next five to six years, and you know your window. Yeah, and just hope you don't overpay for Mike Trout and not build a team around him. (laughs) (laughs) Philly Angels. Hey, they won't be able to start building a team before uh, until Albert Pujols' contract is finally off the books. I feel so bad for the Angels. Yeah, kind that's of. really where it's weighted. Yeah, it 100% is. But, hey, that's their own fault. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly it. I, It's where these contracts would go. You pay somebody like Mike Trout because he's young and he's going to run with that contract. <laughs> that's the reason he gets $430 million for 12 seasons. <laughs> what a lucky guy. I know, right? Except he's got to play in Anaheim and live in L.A. But <laughs> At least it's better than playing at Chavez Ravine at Dodger Stadium. You're not as in the traffic as uh, those Dodgers are. I've literally been in L.A. three times for work, and I was like, oh, cool, the Dodgers are in town. I was literally what quote-unquote was like 10 miles, so that's like, what, 20, 30 kilometers away? It yeah. took me 15 minutes to go a quarter of that distance. Of course. <laughs> and by that time, the game was started. So I'm like, yep, turning around, going back to my freaking hotel room is there's at least another hour and a half worth of traffic. <laughs> yeah, uh, LA traffic is the absolute worst. Did that uh, back in December and was not a fan. Yeah, that's why you have Dr. Evil. It's worse than Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it's somehow worse than Toronto. I mean, there's more people in LA than there is Toronto, but not by a crazy amount. The public safety or uh, the public transportation is just not there, man. <laughs> it's oh, it's terrible. There's subway here in the states. We don't know how cabs and taxis and uh, subways and all that kind of stuff work down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the subway system in LA sucks. That's part of the uh, transit problems that they have, which is why everybody has to drive. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. But let's play a little fun game here, Brendan, before we wrap it up. Um, one of our friends of a recent episode, um, Ryan DeFrancesca of Blue Jays Nation, uh, last night on Twitter, him and I got into a rather goofy battle, and I figured it was worth continuing and putting out some of the highlights here. The question is, what would be the worst pairing of Blue Jays characters slash ex-players to start a podcast with and title it? <laughs> Um, you've mentioned a pretty funny one to kick us off with here maybe before would you like me to start yeah you go for it buddy (laughs) so one of the ones I had that I sent back to him and I'm sure it got a decent laugh was David Wells Jason Grilly as the host of this pod call it the grill with boomer and cheese There's some crazy ones that you could come up with with some of the personalities this team has had the last few years and going way back to uh, to the 90s when they were good and there was even more personalities in this clubhouse. Yeah, one of the ones that Ryan came up with was uh, the Flower Hour with Ted Lilly and guests. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of like that one, actually, the Flower Hour. It's got a nice ring to it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I could kind of get down with that. I like that one. Yeah, and other than that one breakout he had with John Gibbons, 
<laughs> he was pretty mellow yeah. around, you know. He just kind of went out there and did his job. Um, he had one with 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 uh, Vernon Wells called Whiskey and Wells. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but more or less, it came down to boiling down to me and him, and there was a few people that chimed in. Where, where's Greg Zahn and Jamie Campbell? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> um, do you remember what the one you were we were you had before the show was? It was I I was I just want to see two polar opposite people, and I remember Stroman and Justin Smoke joking about their taste in music a few years ago. Justin Smoke is a big country fan, and Marcus Stroman is not. He's more rap and hip hop and R and B. So just to get them on the show and see how completely polar opposites they are. Stroman's that fiery personality. He always wants to be on social media, talking to people, proving his ego, and Justin Smoke. As we said before we came on, when he was interviewed by Mark DeRosa, he just looked like he was either really, really high uh, or just was not interested in talking to the media at all. And it's just no emotion or personality. So I believe we titled that one Fire and Smoke, or maybe it was Fire and Ice, something like that. <laughs> smoke and Fire, that, that, Smoke and Fire, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Fire being Marcus Stroman and his fiery personality, if you don't get it, for some of those people, which I'm sure you do. Hardy, har, har, har. Yeah, that would be mine. That was the only one, that was the one I could think of right off of that. I had two other ones that I thought would be kind of amusing. And the one, the one that I think that it was probably not the best of the two, but it's still pretty amusing as far as base Blue Jay history goes. Pair Brett Laurie with Shea Hillenbrand uh. and call it The Ship is Sinking. <laughs> hey, yeah, absolutely. That one would actually be pretty good. First guest, Gibby. <laughs> yeah, get him in there. See, uh, see how many fireworks are uh, started with that podcast. Yeah, and then my personal favorite that I honestly I'm baffled that I thought of this myself, Brendan. And I think it's just because I was happened to be watching uh, the Thirty for Thirty when I was doing this, and I saw Mark DeRosa the whole frickin' episode. And I love Dero; he's the man. I miss him. I wish he honestly was part of this new coaching staff, because I think he would fit this mold perfectly. Um, Kawasaki, Muranori Kawasaki, and DeRosa, and the pod is called "I Think I'm Turning Japanese." <laughs> <laughs> so, just a you know. That was the whole proper tearing with uh, <laughs> them two. It was the the incident. I hear it's the home run. I'm Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that year was uh, quite interesting when the world got to know Munenori Kawasaki. <laughs> that was one of those years, um, and DeRosa actually said this, I believe, during the 30 for 30, um, or 30 clubs, 30 days thing, that he was amazed that they just all of a sudden hit the wall that season. He thought they had everything going right that season. Come on, this is a season that randomly Steve Delabar became like a closer almost in a, you know, for a mediocre team that was running with it for most of the season. Yeah, that that 2013 team was uh, one of the biggest disappointments in recent history for Toronto sports. Uh, it will always be the year that I'm just like, <sighs> just what a happened? big collective sigh. <laughs> Yep, and that's unfortunately how it goes, and that's why we play the game. But at least they, in the worst-case scenario, they made that fun. And that's where I think this team's season is going. These characters are going to be fun, and this is a insanely talented young ball club here. And it's only going to get better, man. It is. Just be patient. Don't, uh, don't fret too much about the record in 2019. Just go out and have fun. 
drink your $5 beers and have your $3 hot dogs and just enjoy. <laughs> or what about like your $2 milk carton? That's also available on that uh, $5 or less. For menu. reals? Was... <laughs> yeah, they have milk cartons available on that thing. People have been joking about that. Nothing better than sitting in 30-degree weather <laughs> on an afternoon game and drinking my carton of milk. I'm picturing Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> milk was a bad choice <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh, I don't know which is more shocking in that conversation there that milk is part of that menu or I actually said for reals <laughs> I think for the fact that you said for reals honestly <laughs> oh, I can't tell there's women in my house <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway Brendan is there anything you would like to add to the pod or do your uh, wonderful plug for Jay's Journal and yourself uh, if anybody's taking the road trip to Cleveland uh, in a few weeks, so give me a shout. One cool thing about that ballpark that since I was there, I saw a game in 2012 in Cleveland, so it was the opener that year, so before they did a bunch of renovations to Progressive Field, one thing that they have available is in the right field corner, right by the foul pole, they have basically kind of the equivalent to the flight deck. Uh, with some tables where you can sit around and stand, uh, standing room only. But for 15 bucks, you can stand in the standing room only place, and the first beer is free. It comes with your ticket. So oh, nice. me and, and three friends are doing that. And uh, and if any Blue Jays fans are making the trip down there, give me a shout, and uh, maybe we'll uh, talk about ways which we can make Jaybird watching and a Wednesday wallet more inclusive for some of our people to come on and join us. Sounds like a pretty damn good time man you'll be the one wearing the danny jansen jersey with a buffalo bison's hat i assume you better believe it my friend <laughs> i i actually did not think about the buffalo bison's hat to wear but that is a fantastic idea boom lawyer <laughs> yes that's right i uh i definitely will do that now the only other blue jay hat i have so far and it's because it was on discount and saw it a few days ago for 20 bucks i have a really cool one is the players weekend one but like the baby blue oh, the, one the recent the, one yeah, from yeah. 2017. Not the most recent one from 2018, but the one the year before that. It was on severe discounts. I'm like, hey, this is a really cool Blue Jay hat, so I'm going to get it. So I have that one, too. But, yeah, the Bison's one, I think uh, I think you got me on that. Yeah, I feel like I, gotta, I have that same Buffalo Bison's hat, but I have to give you the story here on my recent Blue Jays hat. So I bought the one I have uh, that I just retired and sacrificially burned in 2017, and it got some paint on it from being around the house, and it got promoted to being a softball hat because of the paint and all this other crap. And I'm like, no, it's done, it's gone. I, I too many bad memories attached to that regular everyday Blue Jays on field hat, right? I yeah. brought my black, like, oh, it's a the new the regular everyday Blue Jay logo, but it's all like kind of like a blacked out like top kind of almost like a yep. uh, kind of grayish black kind of mix. I brought that out of retirement. I bought it in 2015 in spring training with my dad when we were just there to see, you know, everything starting to get going, you know. We saw a couple games, had a few beers. I won an autographed ball with Casey Jansen's name on it, and that's the first thing I've ever won in my damn life. The lucky guy. <laughs> yeah. So in the midst of that, it has been just getting pelted over the years, and it looked like terrible right it looked like it had been literally thrown underneath the car while i was changing oil or maybe even possibly got <laughs> ran over so i took it out of the closet i washed it you know i broke protocol <laughs> i washed it Uh-oh. i figured lucky anymore. this is what i'm hoping brendan is i washed the bad juju off of it from the last couple of years it's back to being a fresh clean hat again like it was at the beginning of 2015 <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be quite something. <laughs> I will be gloating the hell out of that if they run away with it this year for some reason. I did that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you washed away the filth of the last few years and restored the good stuff from 2015. I'm doing my best thing with like my best Pedro Serrano from Major League Impression, and I'm praying to Joe Boo. <laughs> trying to wake up the bats <laughs> that's right <laughs> so anyway brendan it's been another wonderful episode of the wednesday wall and i feel like we really hitting our stride with this show it's been getting more and more fun every week we had some interesting guests over the past few weeks um i even might have a special guest for the next couple of weeks here i'll make sure i tell you after the show here but there's all sorts of fun happening with the Wednesday wallop. We got the morning mash going and the possible live shows here for us on Jaybird watching, man. It's going to get more fun here as the season kicks off. There's going to be more to talk about and uh, more to complain about with that as well. <laughs> Mostly about how good the stupid Yankees and the Red Sox are doing. <laughs> yeah, I think that, 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 that's going to be pretty accurate uh, for the entirety of the regular season. Oh, frowny face. <laughs> so, but it's going to be good here on Jaybird Watching, and we're, we're here for you guys, the fans. If you want to talk, we are here. We've even done a couple of fan chats over the few, over the past year since we started kicking this thing off. Now that we're getting more popular, hopefully some more people hear that and actually want to call in or hit us up on Twitter and join this conversation with Brenda and I. It will be insanely fun to have somebody else to talk Blue Jays baseball with. So until then, make sure you hit those subscribe buttons on iTunes, Google Play, so on and so forth, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures from. And make sure you follow Brendan on hit up his actual his literary <laughs> readings on jaysjournal.com, <laughs> other than his shenanigans here on our show. <laughs> yes. Give me some more hits on my pieces. There you go. <laughs> but you're making beer money here. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. beer. Like, I, sorry. Yeah. Uh, beer money. <laughs> yes, uh, beer money at uh, the Key Bank Center. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Although, we could stand in line for three hours <laughs> while we're trying to get our $5 uh, beer this summer. Then, we could, then it could be beer money, not just a uh, beer money. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Plural. <laughs> <laughs> so, good things, but we will make sure we keep you up to date and everything, and make sure you hit up on the morning mashes as well, and you'll be completely immersed in Toronto Blue Jays news, and we will have it all for you as it comes. So, thanks again, Brendan, and we'll talk next week. You bet, my friend, and when we talk next week, it will be just a day or two before it all gets started. And then we can have even more to talk about. <laughs> That's right. No more trying to stretch out topics like we did back in December and January. <laughs> it's a good thing we did the prospects when we did. <laughs> I know. That filled up a lot of our time and content. We, uh, I think we nailed that one. Not to note that for next season. <laughs> so, anyways, Blue Jays fans, we'll talk to you soon. And until then, it's almost here. Let's go, Blue Jays. <laughs>